Welcome to another Times Union Jaguars podcast. Today is Friday, March 16th. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran, this is uh, the free agent onslaught edition. We learned a lot of things about a lot of guys yesterday. Yeah, I did, Philip. We did. And I'm just I'm just impressed you got the day right. Um, <laughs> it's been a long couple of days. Um, they, the Jaguars added, uh, they re-signed Marquise Lee and then added seven new players. So the quantity surprised me. Um, who knows what the quality is, but I, I, I didn't think they would be this active in terms of the number of players they added. Yeah, it was pretty wild yesterday just watching them one by one go through, and it just felt like it was a never-ending turnstile of guys. And I'll be honest, a couple of guys I really did not know much about. Cody Davis didn't really know a ton about. Don Carey knew he had been here before but didn't really know a ton about. Uh, it seemed like special teams was kind of the, aside from Andrew Norwell, the, the Jaguars certainly tried to upgrade their special teams a little bit, which coming off of last season I thought they needed. Yeah, and they tried this last year. I mean, uh, you know, they they have uh, talked again and again about their commitment to special teams. This their special teams was not very good last year. Uh, you know, they had a lot of fake punts, but they went through, you know, three long snappers because of injuries. They went through two kickers because of bad performance, and their punter was uh, below average. I don't care about how many punts he lands inside the 20. <laughs> um, so... You know, they went back to the drawing board, and, and that's a spot where you can do that because these are guys signing, um, you know, low-dollar um, contracts. And, it, and it, I think it was smart from the Jaguars' perspective is, you know, look at the other teams in the league that are good on special teams like the Rams, number one in the league in Rick Goslin's rankings. Go get Cody Davis. Uh, Detroit was uh, sixth. Go get Don Carey. And then uh, the Redskins uh, with Niles Paul, their 19th. But the Jaguars were tied for 24th. Um, none of the teams below them made the playoffs. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. So I think it was definitely a commitment with those three guys. Let's just go ahead and jump right into it and go sort of one by one through these guys. And you can kind of just offer, you know, what your takeaway was from them. And, you know, I'll do the same a little bit, starting with, Left guard Andrew Norwell was in Carolina. Jaguar signed him to to be the highest paid guard in the league. Is this a guy who you think is deserving of that sort of contract? And what did you think of uh, his first kind of initial comments yesterday? Um, you know, deserving or not, somebody was going to give it to him. Uh, the Jaguars, I like Dave Caldwell, basically admitted they stuck in. Uh, I mean, he figured Norwell was ticketed for the Giants, where Dave Gettleman was the GM who uh, you know had uh, been with him in Carolina. You know, the Jaguars sort of came out of nowhere. You know, I got a little bit of a wind of it uh, midday Tuesday, uh, and you know, then it happened, uh, wait, overnight, overnight, excuse me, midday Monday, then overnight uh, Tuesday it happened. So, you know, uh, when I make some opinions about why guys have been signed and I don't hear from anybody inside the building saying you're full of it, then you know you're on the right track. This team did not run the ball very effectively the last six weeks of the season. They felt like left guard uh, needed to be addressed because you know, there weren't a lot of offensive tackles out there. They felt good with Parnell and Cam. So they uh, you know, they also called it a bonus. And uh, I think if you remove Norwell from this and you say, okay, they signed these six guys, you say, okay, they covered a lot of needs. You know, Left guard was obviously the big ticket item. Certainly a guy who speaks with a lot of confidence. He brought up the Super Bowl several times yesterday. 
He was part of a turnaround in Carolina where the Panthers went from 7-8-1 and one to 15-1 and one in a Super Bowl appearance the following season. So he sort of knows you know, how to go from an okay team to a perennially good team. Does does this franchise still need some of those sort of players? Um, maybe, you know, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you always like guys who can talk with bravado. And, uh, you know, the money obviously helped, but because his other stop probably would have been what the Giants who went 3-13 and last year right. uh, in, our, in, our, in our retool. So uh, the fact that it's a competitive team was probably a bonus for him. Interesting guy, undrafted out of Ohio State, even though he's a three-time All-Big Ten selection, which is kind of shocking that uh, you know within four years a guy could go from undrafted to All-Pro. It wasn't like he was playing at the University of Ohio. Yeah, I mean, I talked to his position coach at Ohio State, Ed Warner, now at Michigan. I talked to him on the phone on Wednesday. I said, Ed, how does this guy not get drafted? And he was like, well, um, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he says maybe the measurables weren't there, uh, but the guy started 39 games in college. You know, as, as 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 the coach pointed out, all five of those guys on that Ohio State offensive line are now playing in the NFL. He was, uh, you know, recognized as all Big Ten. Sometimes guys slip through the cracks. Uh, you know, Alan Hearns slipped through the cracks a couple years ago because he fought injuries. Uh, but you just you never know uh, why why seven rounds happen and a guy like him does not get picked. Well, one thing I think we can both agree on is hopefully. On the offensive line, Andrew Norwell will prove to be a guy who's a good quote because they could sure use one in that position group. Jeez. Well, I mean, I was. I think it's going to be a struggle. Um, <laughs> he, his, he, you know, in Carolina, he was known as a quiet guy. Maybe here is. Uh, maybe he, the contract will, uh, um, you know, let him speak up a little bit more. I, you know, I don't think he'd ever done a press conference before. So, you know, I think once he got going, the nerves subsided a little bit, but. You're right. We need him on the O-line to be a talker. Man, if only they had, like, a team captain in that position group or something. Yeah, it's like usually, like, you know, in every locker room, that center is a go-to guy. Usually that center is a captain, not here. Hmm, weird. Anyways, moving on to the next guy, wide receiver Dante Moncrief, a guy who is going to have the opportunity to, you know, develop the, you know, the vertical passing game. He's going to be an outside option for Blake Bortles, assumedly, if he can stay healthy, if he can be productive and, you know, whether he was signed directly to replace Allen Robinson or not, that's worth debating. But he's certainly a guy who's going to need to be productive for the Jaguars to have an effective passing game, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, to me, whatever Moncrief gives you is uh, going to be a bonus. Uh, can he give you 45, 50 catches? Um, you know, it's a one-year deal. It's a, it's a flyer for both team, both sides. Um, you know, they're banking on him saying, hey, I'm with a, an established quarterback in a system instead of going through a couple guys with Indianapolis, uh, you know, T Y Hilton had to get his touches. Jack Doyle had to get his touches at tight end. So maybe he moves up a little bit in the pecking order, watching him on tape. He runs go routes and stops and comebacks. Okay. Do they have him work the middle of the field with some deep crossing routes or deep post or stuff like that? Uh, let's see how they develop his, develop his route tree a little bit. Certainly a guy who probably needs to, you know, burnish his reputation a little bit. Only 56 catches total the last two seasons. Still a big touchdown guy. Nine over the last two seasons. He had seven touchdowns in 2015. So somebody who could be a red zone target, pretty big guy. You know, like you said, stop, fly, that sort of thing. But overall, it's, you know, I'm still not impressed by the receivers they have on this team right now. Well, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Is 
you know, is their, is their unstated mission uh, just to collect a bunch of twos and threes um, and saying, well, okay, if you put all those guys together, they'll put together the combined numbers of a number one guy. I don't see it. Uh, you need D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole to take big steps forward. Um, you know, who is their guy on third down? Um, you know, who's the guy in the red zone if they throw it to the receiver? I think, uh, that there's, I think there's still a lot of question marks at the receiver spot. Does the fact that Alan Hearns is still in the roster today mean anything to you? It means I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, I, I don't see a spot for him to even be active on game day right now. Because uh, the four top four receivers, Lee, Moncrief, Cole, Westbrook, and then you get Jadon Mickens, who is you know your favorite going into camp as the punt returner. You have Rashad Green, who's still on the roster. Uh, that roster bonus is due on Friday. Uh, let's see what happens through the end of the day. I don't think it makes a lot of it makes it makes no sense to have Alan Hearns on the roster at seven million dollars. And really, it, it, I'm trying to find reasons why to keep him at all. Staying at that position, a guy who, I'll be honest, it seemed like he woke up yesterday and didn't understand why he was still in Jacksonville, and that was Marquise Lee. Yeah, interesting press conference. Uh, you know, I thought it should have been a chance for him to establish himself as a leader and say, hey, you know, I'm back. Alan Robinson's my guy, but he's in Chicago. I'm going to make this my room. I'm ready for the responsibility. I'm ready for the leadership. And he was like, I asked him about these. He says, well, I led the room last year. Well, no, you didn't. Alan Hearns led that room. Alan Robinson, when he was back, led that room. So this is going to be a new role for Marquise Lee. And uh, we're joking as, like, he got to the building yesterday and said, you signed Dante Moncrief? <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought he was a tight end. So uh, Marquise Lee should be thrilled at the contract he got for the numbers he's put up. I thought the most interesting comment of the day was Marquise Lee saying, well, Dante Moncrief isn't going to be the Allen Robinson here. Essentially, I mean, he didn't say that you know verbatim, but essentially, it was you know sort of a quasi shot at his new teammate, which was odd because Marquise Lee is a liked guy in the locker room, and I think he is you know usually someone you can go to, and he's a stand up guy. But that was kind of an it was just an overall odd day for Marquise Lee. Yeah, and it was I was glad when it was over. Right. All right, moving on to tight end, a guy who signed late in the day. We did not get to meet yesterday Austin Safarian Jenkins I think that's how you pronounce it yeah we're gonna go with that that'll work uh a guy with the you know a very interesting past a guy who looks like I mean he's only still what 25 years old never had a season of more than I think you know 400 receiving yards but former first round pick second second round pick okay don't have my notes in front of me would have been nice to uh get some printouts on these guys but uh what, what do you make of that sign? It seems like we can kind of wrap in Niles Paul as well, a guy who was introduced from a tight end from Washington. So now suddenly quite a few tight ends on this roster. Yeah, let's start with Jenkins. Uh, Second-round pick out of Tampa, flamed out there, uh, played only uh, 18 games in uh, two-plus seasons, was released in 2016 after he got a DUI, picked up by the Jets, suspended for the first two games last year uh, because of that uh, DUI. But – Came back, played 13 games for the Jets, 50 catches, only seven yards a catch, three touchdowns. So maybe the Jaguars feel, I mean, two years, $10 million, give me a break. Maybe they feel there's some untapped potential there. You know, at 6'6", he's a big guy, but, you know, his rep is catch first, block second, um, you know, which fits into their depth chart if Lewis is a block first guy. Um, So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I I credit him for turning his uh, life around and earning a multi-year deal. 
but uh, the tight end room's getting crowded right now. And then Niles Paul, you know, I'm think he, I'm sure he signed his deal, and it's like, okay, and then you sign Jenkins, and then maybe Luke Wilson's in the picture. You know, what's going on here? But that's on one the guy flip who's side, not thrilled. Yeah, and the flip side, Niles is pretty honest. He's here to play. He's here to play special teams. Right. Uh, He's a special teams captain for the Redskins. You know, some people think that's a big deal in our media group. Um, I think it's worth a note. But uh, he also has to have good tape, um, and he obviously had that for uh, the Redskins on special teams. So the tight end position is starting to take shape, but it's starting to take shape with bodies. Um, you know, in the draft, in the top two rounds, do you still consider a pass catching tight end? If a guy's there, I would, because uh, right now I don't think these guys move the needle. Yes, overall you have Safarian Jenkins, Niles Paul, Koyak, James O'Shaughnessy, O'Shaughnessy. Mercedes Lewis. So still not a – I mean, Jenkins is a guy among that group who you would imagine would be your pass-catching tight end. But uh, like you said, not a ton of big stats. I would have expected his numbers to be bigger. But, yeah, certainly commendable. I think he wrote in the Players' Tribune that he's been sober for a year now. So it seems like a guy who could be a good influence in the locker room. Uh, that'll be sort of interesting. I think he's just going to be a fascinating guy to talk to. You know, not really a ton of interesting guys in that locker room last year. There were a few, but he certainly has more, you know, kind of a backstory than a lot of guys do. Yeah, yeah. So, be interesting to get to know these guys a little bit. You know, talk to Niles Paul. He went through a lot of, uh, you know, injuries and also drama that he observed with the Redskins. And, uh, he, uh, you know, what kind of leadership can he bring to the special teams? Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, slot cornerback it seems like dj hayden a guy who said he can play inside he can play outside well you should probably just focus on the inside on this team yeah uh that's going to be i mean basically said taking over for aaron colvin he's another guy that bet on himself last year one year deal detroit uh played every game he had a lot of injuries in oakland coming off a first round pick Uh, again a contract you know multi-year deal uh do do you do you think they could have waited and see how the market developed. Uh, you know, that's hindsight, but uh, they're obviously proactive on Hayden. And this is, this is this is a big role in this Jaguar defense playing that nickel because they play it what 65, 70 percent of the time. They play a lot of zone principles with their underneath stuff, um, and they blitz and have to play the run. So it uh, it's, I think it'll be a big challenge for Hayden uh, to um, you know fit in and, and take over Colvin's role. And speaking of Colvin, one of the other interesting things I thought from yesterday was Dave Caldwell's comments on the progression of contract talks with Allen Robinson compared with Aaron Colvin. It seemed like Robinson, the money just got too big and that was he was gone. But Caldwell seemed uh, a little spurned by uh, Aaron Colvin. Was that what you took from it or was that just um, me? Uh, well, the Robinson thing, I, I don't think they had any intention of bringing him back. No, it didn't seem like that at all. Back. Yeah. So... The Colvin thing, I mean, I think the Jaguars thought all along that Colvin would pick them because they felt like they knew he, they knew, they thought he realized how important his role was here and how, how good he could be in that role. Well, you know, but you can't pay a nickel guy the average salary of what, $8 million. So, you know, once you dig into it, okay, how big of a difference was the money? Um, that's something that maybe will come out later, but. Uh, you know, it did sound like uh, they were personally disappointed, but I think he was disappointed that things didn't work out. Is cornerback still a position you think the Jaguars could possibly address in the draft? I know last week, you know, I, I took a look at LSU cornerback Dante Jackson, a guy who's played a lot in the slot, who could have 
you know, possibly been a first round pick for them. Is this still a position where maybe second, third round you think about adding a guy? Or do you think they're kind of set now? Um, I think they're running out of spots on the depth chart at uh, was a corner, and uh, uh, maybe maybe that fourth spot is open because Jalen Myrick didn't really do anything to impress me last year. Sticking at cornerback, another guy who's mostly mostly going to be here to play special teams is Don Carey, making his return to Jacksonville. Played one season here before moving on. Uh, interesting guy, an author, uh, scholar. It sounds like very well spoken guy. Uh, he was very clear that this is not a redemption tour for him in Jacksonville, although some well, people you, wanted you, it to be. You think? I mean, he's played like six years in Detroit, had an established career there. I mean, this is a different administration. Hell, it's different ownership. Um, with Kerry, you know, I think he's going to become a sage in the locker room. I think mean, he'll have to, you know, may be a leader in that DB room, a leader on special teams. And, and uh, you know, it's, I think that was a, his signing is a sign that maybe they felt like they didn't get enough vocal leadership on special teams last year. Maybe they didn't feel like they had enough guys to set the tone and, you know, study habits, meeting habits, practice habits, et cetera, et cetera. Because uh, he's 31 years old, that usually is not the age the Jaguars are interested in. But um, you know, they probably, you know sign him on a you know obviously a short-term deal and see if he can stick on like a lot of the special teams guys they signed at this time last year. Do you think injuries just added up for Aurelius Ben? That was a guy who didn't get a look coming back because it seemed like he was, you know, decent when he was healthy here on special teams. But it just seemed like he always had some sort of nagging hamstring or shoulder or neck or something going on. Yeah, it's uh, you know, he just has had horrible luck on the injury front. You know, you thought you he had you know you never move past it because it can happen like that. But you know, he had was healthy. Aurelius Ben was in, in sixteen, and then was going along pretty good in seventeen until the knee just started acting up a little bit, and they shut him down. And you know, they declined his contract option because it just you know the availability part is uh, you know you can't be stashing guys on the fifty three who aren't starters who are banged up. Well, he'll always have that touchdown in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, he'll uh, he will. I'm sure. Hopefully, he's got the football from that one. Last guy is safety Cody Davis, a guy who played a lot of special teams in Los Angeles, a guy who played a lot of special teams well in Los Angeles. Dave Caldwell did not say he was the best special teamer in the league, but he did speak highly of him. Yeah, he did not say that. I mean, did not I mean, say somebody that. somebody asked him. Well, That's how fake it feel news. To be yeah, that was fake news. He fake he, news. he called them, he called them a top special teams player with eighteen the Rams. Uh, so uh, you know he started five games at safety. I think that's also important because Barry Church uh, bought some things throughout the year, but stayed you know stayed on the field. Tayshawn Gibson, same thing. So maybe they feel like they needed a better option for that third safety, and maybe they want to diversify their defense a little bit. Um, but you know he's a guy again. You know it doesn't sound. Uh, there's not a lot of sizzle to it, but you know they do need to improve their special teams, and that's why Davis was another guy. Yeah, guy who was part of the Rams turnaround last year. So it does seem like there was some precedent, or not precedent, but some importance placed on you know guys who had been around winning cultures. Which you know that's not the only thing, but it certainly is helpful to have on a team that's had one winning season, and uh, certainly does not you know that doesn't mean that it's going to be the same for them next year, but. You get some guys with you know some winning attitudes that certainly helps. Uh, what what sort of is next now between now and the draft? Uh, how does this roster you know sort of you put the finishing touches on it prior to the draft? 
Well, I think they st- I think they're going to add a backup quarterback. Uh, just just to get another guy on the roster. Uh, it might be you if they don't hurry. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I can. You know, I've been. I've shown I can pick up a playbook pretty good. And, <laughs> uh, you know, strong. You know, do they want to add some linebacker depth to compete at the strong side? Uh, you know, they also sort of need a, a, a backup Mike right now, so they need a I need a linebacker position flexibility with Paul Pozlesny's retirement. Uh, they have not yet declared whether Miles Jack is going to move to the middle full time. That's what I would expect. And um, you know, and also um, you know, O line. Uh, my guess is they just wait for the draft there. But uh, there are there are definitely uh, some nip and tucks left to make on this roster. All right. Well, that puts a bow on the uh, opening wave of free agency. Continue reading our coverage in the Florida Times each day and on Jacksonville.com. Brian, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Okay, so thank you.